0: Creed. I don't know what this word creed does in your brain. I don't know what you associate it with. Um, Some of you who are gamers might be thinking of Assassin's Creed right now. Um, Some of you who are Anglicans in your roots might be thinking of saying the creed most Sunday mornings. Um, That's all part of the Anglican liturgy. Uh, Maybe you've seen the recent film uh, called Creed, which is uh, a rocky Balboa Uh, part 19 or something uh, where the son of Apollo Creed is trained up to be the heavyweight champion of the world by Rocky Barber very good film, highly recommend it Um, or you might be thinking of the recent Hillsong song called The Creed which we're going to sing a little bit later on which goes something like this Our father everlasting all created one all-creating One, God Almighty. Through your Holy Spirit, conceiving Christ the Son, Jesus our Saviour. Verse 2. Our Judge and our Defender, suffered and crucified, forgiveness is in you. Descended into darkness, you rose in glorious life, forever seated high. And then the chorus goes, I believe in God our Father, I believe in Christ the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit, our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection, that we will rise again, for I believe in the name of Jesus. And there's like a second chorus, it goes like this. I believe in life eternal, I believe in the virgin birth, I believe in the saints communion and in your holy church, I believe in the resurrection when Jesus comes again, for I believe in the name of Jesus. That's the song, the Creed. So a Creed then, is really like a bullet point, all-encompassing statement of belief. So the Christian Creed is a bullet point, all-encompassing statement of Christian belief. And in this Hillsong song, which we're going to sing after this message, There is no less than 11 references to the resurrection. And that's without repeating choruses and verses and things like that. Why is that? It's because it's absolutely the central plane of the Christian life. If you take out the resurrection of Jesus Christ from our creed, we end up with absolutely nothing left. The whole thing comes down like a great big house of cards. I want to share with you some ancient creeds today, just to see where that resurrection fits within these creeds. The first one I want to show you, which has stood the test of 2,000 years of scrutiny and is still important to us today, is the Nicene Creed. Now this one's a little bit wordy, it's a little bit long, um, but it was written with a specific purpose. The Council of Nicaea, hence the Nicene Creed, was brought together because there was so much heresy flying around the church in the 4th century. A lot of it centred around this guy Arius, or Arius, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce his name. The Arian Conspiracy was really suggesting that Jesus only only existed when he was conceived in the Virgin Mary. So, he didn't exist before that point, he isn't an eternal being he is both God and man, but he only came into existence at the conception with Mary, which kind of makes him like a demigod, a bit like Zeus and Hercules, if you will. That God, the Father, created Jesus, the Son, and then from that point, he became this God-man, like Hercules, if you like. Um, And so there's a a definite kind of hierarchy between God and Jesus. They're made of slightly different things, if you like. So that's what the, the... uh, heresy was that they were trying to correct. So all of the early church fathers got together in Nicaea to say we need to pin this down, who Jesus is. And out of that council, this is what came up. So there is a huge chunk of this which is really just about who Jesus is. So first line, God gets one ti- God the Father gets a tiny line at the beginning. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth. Of all things visible and invisible. That's how far we get with God the Father. Um, (laughs) Pretty much the rest is about Jesus. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages. God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father, there's a big word, basically means made of the same stuff, Through him all things were made for us men, or for women in men, for us mankind and for our salvation he came down from heaven and by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, he suffered death and was buried and rose again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, hallelujah. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified, and who has spoken with the prophets. I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church, I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins and I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and of life in the world to come. Amen. Uh, It's good words, isn't it? It's just like bullet points just stating, I believe this, I believe that, I believe this, I believe that. This is in uh, as distilled as possible statement, in a nutshell, what it is to be a believer in Jesus Christ. But just look at where the resurrection sits. Could you get more central to our creed than that? It's like right in the very centre, right at the heart of this creed is He rose again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Now I don't know whether that is a work of the Holy Spirit that has made it so central. Um, I even made sure I justified the the, the lines so you can see just how central it is. I don't know if it's the work of the Holy Spirit, or whether it's man that has crafted that so beautifully, but there it is, right in the very centre, the pivotal cause of the Christian faith, Jesus rose on the third day. I want to share another one with you. This is the Apostles' Creed, and you'll be glad to hear that it's a lot shorter. This is like a pithy statement. This this precedes the Nicene Creed. um, And it's wonderful. I love this one. And you may have grown up saying this one in church. I believe in God the Father Almighty, the Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day He rose again. Hallelujah. He ascended into heaven, He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and He will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen! That Catholic Church bit there is not necessarily the Roman Catholic Church, it just means the global true Church of Jesus Christ. But look again where the resurrection sits. Right in the very center, smack bang, in the middle of the Apostles' Creed. Was that the Holy Spirit or was that the work of men? I don't know, but I love the fact that there it is, right in the very heart of the Creed. I love it. If you take the bodily resurrection of Jesus out of our faith, this is how it reads. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. Big full stop. That's it. That's it. There's nothing else. Everything hinges on that next verse. If you do not have the bodily resurrection of Jesus, this is essentially what you end up with. It's game over. (coughs) It's totally game over. Just look at the rest of the creed without the resurrection. He ascended into heaven. No. He didn't ascend into heaven. If he didn't rise again, then he is still stuck in the grave he is seated at the right hand of the Father, no. If he is still in the grave, then we do not have a great high priest sat at the right hand of the Father. We do not have anyone on the throne of heaven that understands what it is to be human. If he didn't rise from the dead, he will not be coming to judge the living and the dead either, for he is dead himself. There is no way to bring this world to a positive conclusion. If he didn't rise from the dead, there is no Holy Spirit. Jesus himself said, When I rise, I will ascend to the Father, and when I I return to the Father, I will ask Him to send the Helper. And He will send to you the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will lead you into all truth and remind you of My words. Amen? No ascension, no Holy Spirit. No Holy Catholic Church. Jesus is the head of the Church. We are the body of Christ. Without the risen Lord Jesus, we are a headless body, which is a pretty hideous thought Uh. (laughs) or if you think of us as a building Jesus is both our foundation and our cornerstone he is also the builder of his church he's the architect and he's the capstone if we do not have a living Christ we are at best a very shaky weak building with no foundation no cornerstone, no designer no architect and no finish we're basically a wobbly wall at best Communion of the saints, well, let's be honest, we saints find communion a challenge at the best of times with a living head. If Jesus really is in a place of death and chaos and corruption, what chance do we have to have any real communion with God or with one another? There is no communion of saints with a dead Christ. What would we gather around? And there is no forgiveness of sins. Jesus rising from the dead was the final proclamation that what he achieved on the cross was a success. If Jesus is still dead in the grave, then we are still dead in our sins, because sin and death won the day. It's only by Jesus rising again that we can be confident that our sins are forgiven. Resurrection of the body? Well, if Jesus wasn't raised, I I don't like your chances. I reckon I rate our chances of rising from death around about zero if Jesus did not rise. So there is no life everlasting. Just oblivion. Just nothing. Just death. So the whole creed is rendered impossible without the resurrection. With. The resurrection in there, it's not game over, it is game on. I'm saying that, just so I'm down with the kids. (laughs) Especially after last Sunday, if you were here. (laughs) Let's just read the rest of the creed with with the resurrection put back in there. The resurrection means that all of it becomes possible. On the third day he rose again, and he ascended into heaven. If He is risen, we would expect Him to ascend, to be the Son of God who is glorified as the resurrected Christ. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. Yes, we do have a great high priest who is sat next to the Father, who understands what it is to be human, understands what weakness is all about, understands what the pressures that we go through, and yet He is there to make intercession for us with God, and he is in the place of authority and majesty on the throne of heaven, hallelujah. He will come to judge the living and the dead. Jesus is going to bring righteousness and peace and justice right across the earth. And I tell you, if you are suffering with injustice right now anywhere on the earth, this is one of the best promises in the whole of the Bible. We need righteousness and justice across the earth. We live pretty comfortably here in Totnes, but I can tell you, this is such an important thing. God has to bring this world to a just conclusion. And that is possible because Jesus rose from the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit can be poured out because we have this living Christ. Because He ascended, because the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost and radically changed those first disciples, made them bold and passionate and courageous. And then we've seen right through history that work of the Holy Spirit that has now touched your life and mine. Most of us here will will testify to the power of the Holy Spirit transforming our lives. And the Spirit is doing some incredible things around the world right now. We do have a holy Catholic Church. We do have a togetherness. We have a body that has a head. We have this living head. We have incredible foundations as a church. Because we have a living Jesus that we can share. We have Him as our cornerstone He can set the design of the whole building. And He is building us together like living stones into an incredible temple in which God's Spirit is pleased to dwell. Because He rose from the dead. We have the communion of saints. We have a living Christ that we share in the church. When we break bread together, when we share in communion, We share, this is my body, given for you, and we partake of the body, and we find it life-giving, not death-giving. And because we have this incredible living Jesus moving and living amongst us, He brings a unity out of the church that is impossible in any other way. And you know what? God is doing a phenomenal work of unity right across the world. Churches are coming together like we have never seen before in history, because He lives forgiveness of sins in the words of Isaiah though your sins were like scarlet they are made white as snow Jesus' resurrection was the final word but what he achieved on the cross through his death is a great success but it is total victory over sin and death resurrection of the body we can say with Job. Job uh, 19, verses 25 and 26. But I know that my Redeemer lives, and in the last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God. You can be absolutely sure with that ancient man, Job, that one day you will stand on the earth in the flesh and you will see God. Because the resurrection is possible by Jesus who rose from the dead as the first fruits of our resurrection because he rose we can follow him And and life everlasting your life will not come to an end because he lives there is true life beyond this grave and therefore death where is your victory, death where is your sting, there is no death for the believer in Christ, the Bible is absolutely clear about that Amen. Amen. We have a creed. A living creed. Now, something I want to share with you. The word creed. It's quite interesting. Uh, in the ancient world, the, the Greek word for creed is symbol. And it doesn't mean symbol. That's kind of then comes through the Latin we end up with our word symbol. It's nothing to do with that. It's an identification thing. It's a way of identifying somebody. So in the ancient world, a creed would have meant something very specific to them. It meant uh, a, a, a physical object, like a pot or a manuscript or something like that. And what they would do is they would take a pot and they would make a clean break in it. It Could be any object, I'm gonna use a pot for now. They would make a clean break in it so that when you put the two halves back together, they would be a perfect match, okay? You could tell that this came from the same pot. And then they would take one half and do something with it and uh, the two would be separate but when they came back together they would be identified as the same cop so to give a scenario if you're part of the early church that were a kind of persecuted underground movement, say i'm in antioch i can't think of any other way to explain this it's quite long-winded but there we go say i'm in antioch and i want to send one of our church to rome to find a specific believer to come and work back in the church in antioch and we send someone out as a messenger to rome when they found that person, if they agreed to work in Antioch they would send them back with the other half of the pot so that when that person came back to Antioch and presented here is the other half of the pot that was left back in Antioch the two would come together and they would say we now know that you have been sent with this purpose we can identify who you are you're not just a member of the Roman secret police trying to find out who we are, we know that you are who you say that you are does that make sense? it's a way of identifying somebody so think of the creed in this way, the, the, the apostles' creed, with everything that I've just read out, is a way of identifying who you are. When you place the creed up against your own life, is it a good fit? Is it the other half, if you like, of who you are? When you place it up against your core beliefs, does it match perfectly? When you line up the creed of your life, you find that if you find that yes, it's a good fit, and yes, the resurrection is truly at the center of your core beliefs, you are identified as a true believer. And what is more, because the resurrection is right there, right in the heart of it, at the center of your core beliefs, the term impossible doesn't mean much to you any longer. Why? Because you've already fully embraced the miracle working power of God. It's right there in the center of your core beliefs. It was impossible for Jesus to rise from death. But you have believed it right at the center of your belief system. So there is something deep in your spirit that has already said yes to the miracle working power of God. Amen? Let this be your creed. Let this be that which defines who you are, which becomes your identity. Somebody that right at the center, right at the core of your life, you have a risen Lord Jesus against the others. Because it changes how you live the whole of your life. God is in the business of shifting things from the realm of the impossible to the realm of the possible. That's something I want to share with you just by way of illustrating how God is doing this right now in our day. Last week, there was a prayer meeting in South Africa. How many of you know who Angus Buckingham is? So it's about half of you. He's the guy who wrote uh, Faith Like Potatoes. He's, uh, he's uh, an evangelist. He's South African. He's a very kind of big bombastic character. Well, he's a small man, but a big character. Um, and he's a, he's a farmer in South Africa. And uh, South Africa has not known rain... For months, they've been in real crisis. All of their dams and reservoirs have all dried up, and they were becoming desperate for rain. And so Angus Buchan decided to call a prayer meeting. When I call a prayer meeting, there's not quite that many people. But when Angus calls one, that's what happens. Um, and they so they hired this amazing, massive ground. You can see how dry the ground is. And amongst other things, they got on their faces and they prayed for rain. They said, God, would you send rain on this part of the world? We're dying out here." And by the end of the prayer meeting, on the same day, on Saturday the 24th of March, you said, just look at the rain clouds. This is the same event towards the end of the day. The rain clouds start coming in and they start feeling the first spots of rain, which massively encouraged this crowd, and they press in in prayer. And the next day, this is the floods in Johannesburg you like that? Flash flood Across your we, we have a miracle working God. We have a God that can absolutely do the impossible. And it began with the resurrection of Jesus. It, God wanted to implant that sense of the impossible becoming possible. Right at the beginning. Right at the beginning of the story. Because Jesus rose from the dead. When you believe that and you've got that deep well of faith in the resurrection power of God. We can pray for anything, anything at all. Anything, however impossible and dry the ground may be, however your world may seem, however clear the skies are, an impossible rain is to come. Even if it's not the rainy season, it doesn't matter. When you've got the miracle-working faith of God in your heart, you can pray for anything. And God can do impossible things. So this Easter, I want to encourage you to ask God to do the impossible in your circumstances. Let's not just leave this as a, a day of eating chocolate and going to church and singing some uh, exuberant songs. Let's ask God to do some impossible things. What area of your life is, feels impossible and needs a touch of the resurrection power of God? I want you to identify it, if you can. And you will find a little purple piece of paper on your seat. And I want to encourage you to write that down. They are purple for a reason, because historically purple is the colour of majesty and glory of God. And so I want you to write on the purple piece of paper, what is it that needs to shift? What is that impossible area of your life that needs a touch of the impossible resurrection power of God? And when you've written it down, there's some pens that we can uh, send around. If you want one. There's some pens over here at this end, uh, which you can use in a minute. When you've written it down, I want to encourage you just to go and pin it right over there on the wall that's just turned off for some reason. There it is! <laughs> okay, so we've got, <laughs> as a symbolic thing, we've just got a stone partly rolled away. It says, I believe, and I want to encourage you just to pin it on the wall of resurrection power. That's what we're going to call it this morning. And we're going to pray that every single thing that ends up on this wall gets a touch of the resurrection power of God. And that the impossible would shift to the impossible. Amen? Let's invite the band back up. Uh, We're going to spend a bit of time responding and pegging it uh, up on the wall. And then we're going to finish with prayer in a few minutes' time. Just as you do that, I'm just gonna pray that God would help us to identify the right things. Heavenly Father, I wanna ask that you would show us what areas are the most important for us right now. Maybe areas that feel hopeless, feel impossible, feel like they're never gonna shift. Maybe areas where the enemy seems like he's got a real grip on our lives and he's never gonna let go. Lord, give us the courage To write those things down and to bring them as prayers to you, that you may touch them with your resurrection power and do the most incredible, miraculous resurrection things with our lives. Lord, would you give us the courage to do that and show us what we we are to pray for. In Jesus' name. Amen.